presented by Nippon Steel and U.S. Steel. Good morning, everyone. I'm Playbook co-author Ryan Lizza. It's Friday, February 23rd. Here's what's driving the day. Well, tomorrow is the GOP's South Carolina presidential primary, and we have a three-part preview for you this morning. First up, Natalie Allison reports from South Carolina on how Nikki Haley's big problem in her home state isn't just Trump's dominance, it is the fact that the former South Carolina governor who rode the Tea Party wave into office in 2010 long ago lost touch with the state's grassroots activist base. We didn't abandon her, a former head of a local Tea Party group who wants back to Haley, tells Natalie. She abandoned us. Check out the full article at politico.com. Next, since the presidential primary seems to be a fait accompli, we sat down this week with Nancy Mace for the Playbook Deep Dive podcast to talk about the Congresswoman's return to the Trump fold. You may remember that Mace, a House Republican elected in 2020, has had a complicated relationship with the former president. Mace worked for Trump's campaign in South Carolina in 2016. In 2021, she condemned him for the events of January 6th, saying his legacy has been wiped out. Trump backed her primary opponent in 2022 in retaliation, but she survived. Last year, she voted to oust Kevin McCarthy, and the fallout over that vote is one of the major subdramas playing out in South Carolina right now. McCarthy has lured a challenger into the primary against Mace. That primary threat helped trigger Mace to endorse Trump for president. She did that despite the fact that she goes to church every week with Tim Scott and Nikki Haley, her former governor, backed her in 2022 when Trump didn't. So Trump will now have a big decision to make. Does he repay Mace with his own endorsement of her? Or does he listen to McCarthy and help the former speaker exact retribution against Mace by backing McCarthy's handpicked candidate, Catherine Pendleton? Anyway, we get into all of this with Mace, plus a lot more, including what she thinks of some talk about her being Trump's running mate and her backstory about that famous time she wore a scarlet A on the House floor. So check out Playbook Deep Dive for all of that. Finally today, let's bring in Jonathan Martin, Politico's politics bureau chief and senior political columnist, to break down what to expect tomorrow in South Carolina, a state he knows better than almost anyone else I know. Good morning, Jay Mart. How are we? Jonathan, you have a new column out this morning about the South Carolina primary. Give me uh, give me the quick synopsis. The South Carolina primary has been a lot of things over the years. It's been decisive. It's definitely been dirty. And for Joe Biden, it was famously rejuvenative. It's never been boring until now. Donald Trump has accomplished a lot, but he's managed to do what I thought was impossible. Turn the South Carolina primary into a snooze fest. Who would have thought they'd see the day where the most interesting thing going on in South Carolina was, uh, you know, the best new restaurants in Charleston. But, but Jamar, I know you, you just want to cover the restaurant scene anyway. I like the new restaurant, but like, I, I, I like it even more when there's like a good story to go with it. You know? <laughs> 
Uh, I also, in addition to eating well, like a good campaign and covering a compelling story. And the South Carolina primary is largely uneventful. And by the way, let's not blame Donald Trump and Nikki Haley exclusively for that. I think the press collectively is part of the issue here. The media basically has decided that New Hampshire ended this primary. And I I don't know about you, but there's just not been the kind of brawling coverage of South Carolina compared to past years. Not at all. But there wasn't the kind of sprawling coverage of Iowa and New Hampshire that there have been in past years. You, you know, even when theoretically they were competitive. No, I, Ryan, like you, know, you can recall this. I mean, South Carolina was often the sort of the showdown state. You, you had anchors originating broadcast from the state capitol in Columbia. It really played a, a pivotal role in both parties uh, over the course of the last 30 years. And it's striking to see how little action there is. I think that's because... For understandable reasons, the press has decided that the ball game is over. Uh, I think it's also because Nikki Haley has run a conventional campaign against the most unconventional opponent uh, of modern times. You know, she's doing a bus tour of the state and then does the old I'm going to give a major speech trick in which the major speech turns out to be uh, headlined by I'm I'm not dropping out yet. Look, th- those things are not going to just drive coverage, right? You have to take some risks. You got to have to put it in football terms. You got to put the ball in the air here. And she's just not been willing to do that. And then Ryan Trump doesn't really campaign at all. I mean, the old cliche about South Carolina is it's a knife fight in a phone booth. It's dirty, right? Well, if you're Nikki Haley, it's tough to have a knife fight in a phone booth if you're the only person in the damn phone booth, right? Like Trump's not even there. I mean, it's now, what, February 23rd, and it's been a while since the New Hampshire primary. I think Trump's done two events there, three events now. And by the way, I get it. He doesn't have to. I mean, his support is so locked in uh, that, you know, he can basically blow it off. There's no expectation, Ryan, that Trump's actually going to wage a serious campaign. And so he doesn't bother And by one metric that, you know, by one traditional metric, fundraising Haley is raising tons of money for a, a challenger who, who's everyone's saying the race is over. You know, the old cliche is these can- candidacies don't end. They run out of money. And she hasn't run out of money. I mean, there's plenty of Wall Street money for her. Yes. Right? Yeah. That cliche has finally died. Exactly. It, it, it's finally it's finally died because the Republican Party is now sheared into two factions. And the smaller faction happens to be the one that's got more money <laughs> attached to it. It just doesn't have enough votes. So we're in a situation where campaigns don't die a kind of natural death of, of lack of funds anymore. And it's more arbitrary. She could drop out tomorrow, but she doesn't have to. She can stay in for Super Tuesday. Nothing, nothing's making her drop out. Um, so, like, yeah, that was the old way you dropped out. You went broke. And that's not going to happen for her because, you know, if you divide the Republican Party, Ryan, into capital and labor – to put it into Bernie Sanders-like terms, um, she controls the capital wing of the party, right? That's that's definitely new with, with the, the the challenger con- controlling the, the the country club Wall Street faction. Last question on this, Jay Mart. What's the case for her staying in? Get into her head a little bit. What is the reasoning here? Look, I think Ryan's some of it stubborn. It's just not complicated. It's just you know, uh, I'm not going to get out. And how dare you say I have to? I think some of it is strategic, though. Look, she's somebody who is a fairly calculating politician, and I think she loves the idea of being the runner-up, being the last gal standing against the fellas, as she calls them. Or if an asteroid strikes. Well, yeah, that's this year. I'm talking about 28. 
But the challenge is being the runner-up, representing the traditional wing of the party, doesn't get you a lot unless the party's ready for a reformation. And like, I just don't see Martin Luther showing up at that door. You know, the party doesn't want to go to rehab, okay? Like, it's pretty happy as it is. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think, Ryan, she had a big challenge coming out of the future. If she had lost there by six to seven, I think she could have sustained more interest in the race and could have made South Carolina more interesting. I think losing by 11 made it tougher. But she also hurt herself by being too conventional and not taking a risk. Go to New York City. Go to the courthouse. Go to Mar-a-Lago. Stand out there, have a press conference, mix it up a little bit. Doing a bus tour of South Carolina is not going to cut in the ice. J-Mart, thank you, man, for breaking this down. I apologize for the lack of a fun South Carolina primary. It's not fair to you. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Happy South Carolina primary. We hardly knew you. And for your schedule today, the House and the Senate are out. And this morning, President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, and First Lady Jill Biden will welcome the nation's governors to the White House during the National Governors Association winter meeting. The music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Callan Tanzel Suddeth is our podcast producer. Annie Reese is managing producer. Mike DeBonis and Zach Stanton are our editors. I'm Ryan Lizza. Thanks for listening. Through its acquisition of U.S. Steel, Nippon Steel is committed to investing in an iconic American company to benefit American industry, American workers, and American communities. By securing jobs, honoring existing union agreements, and keeping U.S. Steel's name and facilities, Nippon Steel is ensuring that U.S. Steel products continue to be mined, melted, and made in America.